This is SEMO, where we help you see more. In this episode, we speak to Jacek Belinsky. He's the co-founder of a new food startup and restaurant called Fanny's Kebabs, and also the co-founder of Pave Projects, a support platform for new food and beverage startups and projects here in the UK. In this episode, we discuss Jacek's entrepreneurial journey, the importance of branding, and the London food scene. So we're here for another episode of the SEMO podcast. Um, really excited to have Jacek on today. Um, I'm quarter Italian. I guess that gives me some kind of uh, license to be a lover of food. Um, Jacek is co-founder of Fanny's Kebabs and also um, Pave Projects, which is a new 360 platform helping food and beverage businesses. And we'll get onto that. But um, thank you so much for coming on, Jacek. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, before we kind of get into the to the meat of the conversation, um, it's always a bit fun to do some icebreakers sure. at, the, at the start. Um, we've got no choice. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you, re- you ready? Yeah, let's go. Kebab or pizza? <laughs> Easy choice. <laughs> Kebab. Cooking or serving customers? Oh, serving customers. Room, desk, and car, which do you clean first? uh, I'd say desk, Mm. frustratingly. I can't can't deal with a messy desk and then I'll deal with a room. Car, don't don't spend enough time with a car. Football or rugby? Uh, Football, actually, yeah. Play play it, play it. You're an avid footballer? I like playing the game. I don't really, I don't support a team. Okay. But I play five aside on Wednesdays and then play eleven aside on Saturdays. Rugby is—I've never got to play the sport. Okay. So I was mostly just a drinking habit. <laughs> just get an excuse to be in the pub. Exactly. Six Nations <laughs> always a good excuse to get out of the house. Um, okay, this one's a bit bit tricky. So you have two teleportation devices. Where do you place them and why? Oh. Uh, one would have to be. I think London, and uh, does it have to be an exact location in London, or does it? It's up to you. Yeah, I guess it'd be a bit more flavorful for the audience to yeah. to hear where to where and, and where between the two places you'd want to go to. Oh, I guess I guess my parents' house in Clapham. Yeah. Um, just being brought up there all of my life, and have loved London as a city, uh, buzzing city, and just spend. I love the the beat and everything that goes on, um, and then I guess the other side of it would have to be something more chilled, like um, a beach in Sri Lanka down in, down in Gaul. Nice. Um, to relax, uh, enjoy, the, enjoy the food, the culture, um, and really get a bit of time away from the madness of London. Sounds good to me. Favourite cocktail? Um, a margarita. Nice. Yeah, decent margarita, sitting on the rocks, mm. and without sugar. Sounds good. And lastly, a fun fact about you. Oh, God. I... Um, was in an episode of Poirot back in when I was probably about 14, 15 and I had my hair dyed red Wow! and played a uh, younger character. I played young Philip. Wonderful. <laughs> well, Not no one can see Jazzy right now but he does look like a modern day Prince Charming so no wonder you got that part. 
Anyways, let's get stuck in. Um, Co-founder of Fanny's Kebabs, a restaurant in Stoke Newington in London. Uh, you also have spots in market halls in Fulham and Victoria, and now co-founder of Pave Projects. Um, tell us a little bit about that, about your role, and, and kind of when did you know that you wanted to be on this entrepreneurial path? Yeah, so I kind of, I stumbled across and stumbled into the entrepreneurial path, I think, actually, um, with regards to Fanny's. Fanny's is where it all kind of began. I've always been, when I was young, I guess, I think my parents also used to say, I was always saying I'd want to own a hotel at some time or someday or in the future or run a pub and whatnot, all these things which you say as a young kid. But then coming out of university, I was looking at different paths and then fell into hospitality um, and then really enjoyed it. Really, really enjoyed it. I enjoy the people, buzz, everyone's actually doing what they enjoy and they're having a good time while they're doing it, um, which kind of engaged me in that. And then Fanny's, I got asked to be part of it by Claude Compton. So, so just before to, yeah. to interrupt, what is Fanny's as, as a oh, concept? So Fanny's is kind of our take on a kebab. So we, from many late nights in the hospitality industry, um, you know, on those evenings when you're coming home, quite often you're eating a kebab. We love kebabs. Um, and we've eaten in so many different spots and know all, the, know all the spots around London. However, sometimes you don't find the place where you'd like to take your girlfriend or quite often it's eaten after midnight when you're pissed and you don't have a clue what's going on. Um, or, you know, you, you're, it's not the kind of place where you hang out. And we wanted to put a little twist on things um, and bring our flavours into it um, and bring a little bit of a healthy offering into it and make it an all-day offering as well. So I think that's kind of what Fanny's creates. It's a lifestyle brand that we're building, which is nourishing at the same time. Nice. And you said your first kind of stab into hospitality, that's when you're working with Red Bull, correct? Yes. So yeah. that, I mean, that sounds like a pretty exciting job. I remember when I was at university, <laughs> to be like a Red Bull ambassador, to get the mini with the Red Bull can on the back, that was like, you were the coolest kid in uni if you had that job. But I guess, were you doing that or were you doing more kind of hands-on marketing stuff in London? So I came into it after university. Were you, were you that guy with the mini? <laughs> no, only the girls get minis. The boys, <laughs> the boys don't get the keys to the mini, unfortunately. I was, I came in straight into the head office in sort of an internship in the summer. Um, the job description basically said, do you like London and do you enjoy partying and having a good time? And I was like, yeah, go on. Why not? Let's go for it. Uh, threw my hat at it, managed to, managed to get the job um, and then got asked to carry on and then joined the London Musketeer team, as they like to call them. Nice. Uh, and then basically got given an account base in Soho and West Central. Uh, that's a pretty uh, like big account I'd say yeah yeah it was about 200 accounts in Soho West Central kind of varying from the kind of everyday pubs to cocktail bars to restaurants to the top West End nightclubs um, it's fair to say I had quite a fun time in those couple of years it yeah. was uh, enjoyable you know time spent out meeting greeting uh, quite a lot of time on your own to be honest you know you, you walk in the streets and you're kind of getting to know everyone and what but what was the actual like daily task was it like rocking up with red bulls or uh, filling up the fridge or what you know what was kind of some of the, the kind of key things you're working yeah on? i think i think the baseline is obviously driving sales of red bull that's the bottom line yeah however we managed to do that in creative ways of doing cool activations with venues or then you know driving finding cool ways of communicating red bull to customers um, however, the more fun stuff was working with bigger accounts and bigger budgets and putting on shows or, or, put it, or, or, or actually creating something unique for them which stood out and was different 
you know, Red Bull, we were always trying to find new ways of, of communicating with the customer or actually achieving something that somebody has a dream of doing. Let's say a venue has a completely blank canvas for an entrance hall and they are looking to make something really cool out of it, make, you know, splash of colour and we'll work with some of the artists that we had, you know, graffiti artists, a guy called Chiba from Bristol, um, who has great talent. You bring them in and then they'll, they'll, they'll you know, he'll, he graffitied the entire of this walkway and that provides something unique for the venue. They're like, cool, we've managed to get this amazing artwork in, working with, but then bottom line is you're working with Red Bull to create yeah. this, create this opportunity and bring it in and then that actually creates a brand partnership and an affinity with Red Bull and that venue which then inadvertently drives the sales. Awesome. And I think, I, I think yeah, Red Bull, such a progressive kind of company. I, I think it's, it's one of the, those brands that really did, was kind of a, a driving force in culture, I'd say, you know, bringing music, um, kind of the different partnerships that they did, whether it's motorsport, extreme sports, and all the different things that they were doing, you know, it, and that must have been pretty cool as a young guy being part of that. And, and no wonder that kind of led on to an entrepreneurial journey because there must have been experienced so many cool things yeah 100 percent. i think it's one of those things where you're put into an environment whereby they're always trying to think of something new trying to do something really different when you pick up a can of red bull you don't think of uh, the energy drink you think of an experience that you had right um whether it might be seeing a guy jump out of space or being at a festival blah blah, blah like all these 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 opportunities and these these experiences that they create and i think that's taught me so much in what we're doing with fannies um and what i want to do because brand is so important because once you build somebody's association with a brand and if they have a great time with it and they enjoy it, then they'll keep coming back. I think right now, with regards to Fanny, just jumping slightly forward, is we've grown very fast in the past year, but our intention is very much to create a lifestyle brand, yeah. which people can, which they're buying into and there's gonna be a lot of skiing and surfing associations because that's kind of healthy living. Um, and that's kind of taking a lot from what I learned with regards to sort of brand from Red Bull. It's so critical for people to have that, that brand affinity. Yeah. Um, what so so what would have been kind of one of the coolest events that you worked on at Red Bull, and then we'll, we'll get on to kind of how you set up fannies. I guess that there was always good fun parties when we did um, parties at the box, which yeah. you know with, with larger budgets, we were doing like Sheik and Nar Rogers at the box was always it was nuts, or we did Whisker Leafer at the box um, where he was just smoking dudes all day <laughs> out the back, and it was that was great. And then you know Red Bull um, Culture Clash event, you know in, the, in Notting Hill when they were still doing it. And it was free booze and free food for everyone who won on the ballot. And I still remember one time we were transferring the DJ deck, CDJs from Notting Hill, having to get them out from backstage to then get them in a taxi. But obviously you can't get into cabs um, easily. So we had to literally walking through Carnival with these CDJs underneath towels to try and prevent us getting from robbed and then getting them into a taxi and then cabbing all the way across London to Macbeth for the after party kind <laughs> of thing so it was always it was always adventures and you always had to you know think on your feet and do something but it sounds so, like you've had so much autonomy at Red Bull like you, you you know how do these brands kind of drive change create these cultural platforms it seems as if you know the kind of what you just said then it seems as if it was like you know a bunch of young people coming up with these kind of crazy ideas and then you had the budgets to play with and then you just went and did it was that kind of how it was I, or I, was there someone at the top that was kind of coming up with these ideas or was it just like everyone was like, let's do this. Oh yeah, great. That's, we've got Red Bull, yeah. we're massive. I think quite a lot of the times, obviously you touched on a big thing is it's, it's the culture within the company, right? You've got young people in it who are always wanting to do things fun and do things in a different way. And we'll always find solutions to problems. But I think there was always an overriding Austria, obviously head office and where everything's, everything's controlled from Red Bull is very controlling from the top. 
and they'd have their brand decks. They'd have how you're meant to execute everything, etc. But we always try to veer off the path and do something different because that's that was the most effective. But then you kind of in you know how you do in most of these things you you do first and then ask for forgiveness later. Um, and we always just did things. If they worked, then you kind of make sure that everyone heard about it. If it didn't work, just stick it under the carpet and hope nobody heard about it kind of thing so no it was, it was really good fun and I think I learned a lot from it yeah you, when you, you I find that when you walk away from jobs or move on it's kind of the time when you manage to look and reflect that how much you've actually learned yeah um, and that's kind of Red Bull I, there was a lot of internal trainings which I kind of probably turned my nose up and couldn't be bothered to, couldn't be bothered to focus on but actually they were really really productive and mm-hmm. helped a lot in what I did next yeah um, but then again I didn't feel when I was there I didn't feel like there was mass progression they kind of employ a lot of young people at the start and then they don't push you up much to be honest so okay. it's kind of it for me it was a time to time to move on nice so you had three years there and natural segue into now fannies what how did that come about you know where did the idea come from yeah so i think i think it kind of it all stems from the late nights in hospitality getting back into that and and really enjoying kebabs but wanting to do our own thing on it and then we saw an opportunity in the market you know we've we've, we've seen various cuisines twist and try and you know make themselves more appealing to the gener- to, to the new generations or or changing the way they do it you know how pizzas have gone you've seen mexican food you've seen burgers which have obviously also seen a slight decline um but i think there was an opportunity that you know my business partner claude has always been looking at he's worked in fine dining and in restaurants um and there's been a change you know people are looking to get more bang for their buck and sort of you know, at the same time as tightening their pockets, they're also still wanting to go out. I feel like there's more of that New York style. People don't eat in that often. They're getting delivery or they're eating out or they want a quick bite. And the meal that you can get for 10 pounds or 15 pounds nowadays compared to what you could get for that same price point five to 10 years ago has completely changed. Mm. And I think the opportunity in the market was there for that. And we wanted to bring that in and do our, our take on the kebab and make it affordable, healthy, and really something which people could enjoy. And I think that's kind of what we based it on. Yeah, and I'd say as well, kind of good timing because you've seen this massive surge in kind of the popularity of street food, you know, big kind of events and and kind of organizations like Street Feast, Dinorama, and, you know, really big success projects like Pizza Pilgrims and, and, you know, Fanny's soon to be too. (laughs) But do you think it's just good timing or how much, how important is the concept as well? I mean, obviously there's quite, you know, everyone's talking about food um, yeah. and there's a lot of kind of innovation and, and young chefs coming up and we've got a couple of young chefs coming up on, on, on the podcast as well. But but what do you think, you know, was was that kind of I think thing for you? It's a really big mix of, you know, timing and execution as well as I think the opportunity arose and we, we, we've come into the come into the scene like you've seen Persian food actually in general, <laughs> Middle Eastern food really pick up and gain some traction. I think we came in at a good point and we haven't really found any direct competition to Fanny's, I don't think massively on what exactly what we're doing. Um, but I think there's always, there's always an opportunity. And I think it's obviously, it's how you go for it and how, how well you execute it. I think we've also been quite punchy in what we've done so far um, and what we intend to do. So we kind of want to get it out there, get people eating it. And I think we had a really great reception to, to what we started. Um, and it's kind of leading us on to pushing further forward and keep going. It all begins with an idea, but then it's obviously the execution and how you actually manage it, which is important. So you obviously had an idea of what you wanted to do and you saw that there was an opportunity within the market, but just rewinding a bit, 
kind of those last months, weeks at Red Bull. Um, what what was that process? Had you had you met your co-founder? Did you so I, so ha- I, you know you were like, oh, I'm gonna leave and set up a, a new kebab brand? Like, what yeah. was that process? So I'd left I left Red Bull and went to Velocity. Right. So I worked for a tech startup. I worked for two tech startups in between, okay. kind of thing. So Velocity was a mobile payment app, um, which which I was at for just over a year. Um, I was there from quite early stage, uh, and that developed quite quickly. I enjoyed it. However, then moved on to join Dojo. And Dojo was created by three friends of mine from Bristol. Um, and I decided to kind of get involved with that and get involved and sort of start helping them out with certain aspects and look at where the opportunities are and also working on part of their new brand, Kyra. However, I was very, very early stage, so I didn't really get too involved in that, but that was the progression that I was seeing. At that point, I actually met Claude in the Tommy Tucker pub um, in Fulham which he owns, and I was kind of drinking there a lot, and we got to know each other. And then we, we all got together, and then at some point, they literally, I was kind of, I was working across the road back in my place in Fulham, and I used to live in Fulham, um, and they messaged me saying, buddy, do you fancy coming over and meeting us at Sun Tucker? And I went to go, yeah, went to go and sit down with them. Didn't really have an idea what it was about. You know, the, the concept had been bounced around a little bit, um, but the boys were like, do you fancy coming in and getting involved with Fanny's? And I was like, okay cool you know what what capacity you know maybe opening it doing this and I was a bit like okay I've never never run a restaurant but yeah fuck it I'll do it and 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 I guess from you know usually co-founders they bounce off each other different skill sets so did they obviously see you they're like oh Jasset can be that marketing branding guy he's obviously had experience working on a ticketing platform and you know at Red Bull and things like that was that kind of their thoughts yeah I think it was it was elements of all different aspects it was kind of branding marketing that side of it then operations and then just a bit of bit of grit and hunger it was kind of like they could see that I was an energetic guy um, fairly you know tuned in with with what's going on at the moment in the food scene having been obviously around restaurants and bars for the past you know for the good good four or five years at that point um, and they were like Lewis, we'd love you to be part of it and to really get stuck in so you said yes, and then what was the next steps? Yeah, the next steps was kind of putting a plan together for um, for where we were, you know, what the next steps of Fanny's, obviously we needed to build a brand um, and then raise the money. So we had the concept, we had the idea. We worked with some branding guys to put together some brand decks and see where we went through with that. We actually managed to fall actually onto the, onto the logo quite quickly, which was really nice, and you know, then there's so many things involved with from incorporation to getting ready for raising. You know, we we crowdfunded the first the first hundred and fifty thousand, um, which required a lot of due diligence and just getting through, jumping through hoops, filming videos, you know, all this stuff. Um, so it's just a lengthy process at that point, which took probably about I'd say six months, six months before we kind of got to got to raising the money. Um, and then, and then, yeah, then we then we raised through through Crowdcube uh, in November twenty sixteen, I think it was. And if I'm not mistaken, one hundred fifty thousand pounds in seven days was raised. Seventeen minutes. Seventeen minutes. Yeah, seventeen. Oh, wow, minutes. I am mistaken. <laughs> That's even better. Yeah, yeah, no, we did it. It was uh, it was kind of it was end of November on a Monday, a midday, and we were just thought this was gonna take, it wasn't gonna be quick. Um, they were sitting in the office, and uh, it went in seventeen minutes. And how, but did so in that six month kind of brand building process, um, 
you know, were you getting paid? Were you just like, oh, I'm just gonna take six months out and then build this startup and then, you know, let's see if the crowd cube comes in, you know, what was so I'd that personal kind of... I'd been working with Dojo before that. So I kind of told them what my plan was and they were really, really accommodating. We're just like, look mate, just, you know, work out as long as you need and then leave when you want to. Um, so I kind of left, I think it was October, I kind of finished working for Dojo. And then I started actually helping out in the pub at the Tommy Tucker in between while we kind of built, got, got the raise going and went, went with that. So I fortunately managed to bridge most of it. That's also awesome. quite good. And in terms of that, okay, 17 minutes, 150,000 um, pounds. You know, what were you guys doing, I guess, from a friends and family perspective to kind of, you know, speaking to other influential people, kind of marketing and getting people ready for the launch of the Crowdcube? Is that what you guys were doing as well? Or yeah, 100%. Is it just all facilitated through the platform? No, we, um, I mean, we, we, we put together the pitch deck, which took a while. Then, we, you know, we got the video together, which, which, which was quite amusing quite a funny day um, and then we, we we pinged around the pitch deck to a lot of friends and family um, early doors about two weeks before we went live on the raise we kind of sent it around to friends and family on the first on back on a Wednesday or something like that and we sent it around and said look guys please feel free to share um, and actually on that day we probably we had we had a lot of interested parties already and we were like okay cool we're gonna have a, a sort of an early an early release to, to you guys, which will be from like midday for a couple of hours on the day of the raise. Um, but it got pinged around to numerous individuals and people started, we, we kind of, at that point, we knew that we were, we were onto something because people were sniffing around, people were asking lots of questions and people were very interested, which was fantastic. Cause I mean, it's just an idea. Yeah. And why crowdfunding, not private equity investment? I think so at that point when we when we when we sent it out we had a lot of interest in it we actually decided to cap our max investment at 30,000 um per person on crowdcube um because we were worried we didn't want anybody to take the whole chunk the reason we went with crowdcube was a to get numerous investors it's great to have people who all believe in what you're doing who then will tell more people um so it was all about kind of spreading the word and then it's also just it's 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 an easy it's a nice way of doing it, we found it. It was kind of, the process was, the process actually teed us up because you had to do your BP. They're very strict on what you, what you give them and how, how many hoops you have to jump through. So it made us squeaky clean on that yeah. part. How did you get to the 150,000 pounds figure in terms of like the initial raise? You kind of, I think we, we obviously put together a business, business model on what we needed for property. And was that focused? So, that, so that 150,000, the business model you put forward was looking at one property, you'd identified that, you had everything kind of ready and then you costed everything up and goes, this is what we need? To we, we kind of, we were looking at a broad sector of, of properties and I think we were kind of looking at the market as it stood and we were like, okay, we want to get a property in this kind of location. We didn't have a specific one picked at that point, but we had an idea of where we wanted to be. And then we basically built down from that, looking at how much kitchen costs were, how much our property, legal fees, all, all your stuff, startup costs, etc. And that 150,000 was to launch the first site. Nice, cool. So, so tell me about when you first opened the doors to Fanny's. What was that experience like? God, stressful. <laughs> I think we 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 opened on Valentine's Day, uh, twenty seventeen. So it was uh, we were kind of running around like crazy. Um, the build was behind. 
like a week before or two weeks before Hackney Council decided to start digging up a water main right in front of our door. Oh, wow. It was like, you know, we we planned to open to investors a little bit early and then Hackney just started digging a hole and we're like, when are you going to be done? They're like, we'll be done when we're done. Ah. You know what these things are like? <laughs> and we're like, hell. Um, and then we're running around trying to finish everything off, get everything sorted. Um, but then we eventually opened the doors and I guess it's kind of a relief when you open the doors because you're kind of like, okay, I can't do anything now, so let, let's just do it. And then we were just, you know, you, you just, you're sprinting. You're just going for the whole time. I don't think we've really stopped. We've kind of just been going. And uh, I think that's part of what I love about it. You know, you just keep, keep going and you can't stop and you can't really look back. You can obviously reflect on what's happened and see what you can improve. But the pace at which it moves, you just got to keep going. Otherwise, you're going to be left behind. Yeah. And look, from when you, so when you finally got the investment, how long did it take? For cash to come in and for you to launch, cash comes in pretty quick, um, and but then we spent a while looking for sites. It was it was quite frustrating. We probably spent uh, eight to nine months looking for sites. We had a few pinpoint like we we we'd nailed some down. We'd even made offers. We got through to certain stages, but then things fell through at the last minute on about two different sites, which is really, really annoying. But I think that's just part and parcel of this industry and that's kind of what happens. Um, somebody else might take it, somebody, you know, somebody gets, has, has a different, uh, tries to do something else. You know, it just, it falls apart and you've got to move on. But we eventually found the site in Stoke Newington, which we really liked, and we kind of, we went for it. And I think that was, you know, we, we took keys in November of 2016, 17. We launched in 2018. I tell a lie before I said 2017, didn't I? <laughs> I keep forgetting what year we're in. Um, but yeah, so we're just, we're just about a year old now. Yeah, happy uh, one year birthday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's good fun. And, and did it help? Uh, you mentioned that your co-founders in the industry already in terms of kind of fitting out the, the, the restaurant and kind of all the, I guess, legal bits and bobs. Was that all covered from his experience and he had guys that was going to fit it out and, and ready to go? Yeah, the boys had a really good experience. They'd, they'd kitted out restaurants and pubs um, in the past. So we, you know, we spec'd it out as, as, as we thought fit. But now we've learned so much from our, our next sites and exactly what we need and how to execute it. So I think it's been really nice stepping stone. I mean, you learn so much as you go and your first kitchen for, the, for a concept like this is never the perfect one. But we made it, we made it great and it's worked really nicely. But I think there's always improvements that can be made, um, legals wise and all those bits and pieces and you know, crossing the T's and, and dotting the I's. We kind of yeah, the, there's there was a lot of experience in it. But for me, it was great because I was kind of thrown in the deep end. I'd never done any of it, mm. but I had my hands full and I was just going at it. And you were, I guess, upskilling along the way and having the support from your co-founder. Yeah, exactly. It was kind of it was a it was a learning experience. I think on all elements from acquisition of properties to dealing with all new suppliers to getting everything set up within the kitchen, dealing with contractors, dealing with builders, dealing with the council, um, all these different elements, which I think if you're just thrown at it, you just, you, you pick it up and you go. And at the time it was a team of three managing all that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was three of us. It, I was on the ground mostly. So once we opened up, I, you know, I was there every single day. I was every, there every single day for the build. Um, the boys had other projects. So I was, Fanny's was, my number one yeah and it was kind of my main focus so I was there day in day out and you mentioned that there were a few challenges uh, I guess a lot in terms of getting ready to open in, uh, a new restaurant but are there a couple of challenges that were kind of key that you overcame and, and how did you do that 
Yeah, I think, I think to be honest, building in sites which are old is a tough one. Um, you kind of, you always get delays, you get issues come up, you find things which are totally screwed. Do you and not like, find any uh, hidden treasure? <laughs> no hidden treasures yet. <laughs> uh, no hidden treasures yet, apart from a basement. Apart from the secret sauce <laughs> recipe of Fanny's uh, kebab you got. Exactly, that one, that one came out golden. Um, but no, I think that was, it was, opening up was, it was really good fun. It was a challenge, it always is. It was like, there was so many different things to execute along the way. Um, but I really just dug deep and just went for it. I think we've had challenges with throughout once we've opened you know staffing is such a it's such a roller coaster in this industry you kind of get you get doomsday when people don't turn up people don't even decide to tell you they're not coming in something goes wrong and you're having to deal with everything that's falling on top of you while something else is going completely wrong on another site but you just find solutions yeah i mean that's what we kind of i think i found found now it's just you, you, you get a lot of problems and you just got to find solutions just to do it built up quite a thick skin and resilience then yeah i think you have to i think you've just got to you've got to see what comes and just deal with it otherwise you're just going to fall apart um so there was uh, i'd read kind of just before launch you'd, you'd obviously done a lot of effort and work and kind of your your eyes were set on on the launch day and you had a bit of a pr blunder oh yeah that i guess that i guess that was a challenge <laughs> so tell us a bit about that um so i think you know we obviously we you can read about it. We we branded ourselves as Fanny's Posh Kebabs um, initially, and you know we did a pop up in Soho in twenty seventeen, which was really good fun. Um, went really well. Was, um, was that also kind of part like getting some validation on on the on the product? Yeah, it was. It was it was two things. It was part and parcel of getting some validation on the product, just getting cooking and getting going, and I think getting some kebabs for done for our investors because they kind of. You know, it was a long process getting that site locked in. So we thought, hell, let's just, let's give the guys some food. Um, and then it was also a bit of fun, really. Well, you know, it was a Sun and 13 Cantons, which they've seen loads of great pop-ups go through. Um, some other really good names. And I think uh, Pascal's a good friend of mine who was running it at the time. And we decided to, to get that set up. And it was, you know, we got a green egg up in there, which was just ridiculous. Oh, Carrying, wow. Carrying that up a narrow set of stairs was hell. Quite, quite smoky. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but... We and, and you know serving mad covers at lunch, but it was for, for people that don't know. Green egg is this like massive uh, ceramic egg barbecue. So yeah. yeah, which is not light, and the and it's not very not very not very light, <laughs> not very mobile. And the staircase <laughs> in the Sun and Thirteen Cantons a goes round in a bend and is very tight. Yeah. But no, it was it was it was a great experience, and that was really good fun. I think then we basically a couple of weeks before launch, we 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 just got a bit of heat on the name. Um, and some of the local guys decided to, 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 to kick off about it. We were just using the word posh as a descriptive word, basically. Um, but I think, you know, it's one of those things where we actually didn't notice it until a journalist sent us an email saying, hey, how are you going to respond to all these tweets? And we were just like, what tweets? And, you know, we click on the links and there's Jay Rayner going off on one or there's Mangal too, just saying something. And we were just like, okay, well, you know, not going to, not going to respond to this it's you know we don't really it's not nothing that we're trying to do we're not trying to offend anyone it was purely a name and uh we were just trying to do something yeah and you know they do say all press is good press so i guess if jay rayner is talking about your restaurant before launch um whether it's good or bad that's uh that's, that's a good thing maybe <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i think for us it was you know we, we struck the posh and we went with fanny's kebabs and uh and i think it's you know we're, we're still here 
and we're, we're having a great time. And as an entrepreneur, you know, showing that resilience is, is key. And as you say, kind of learning, failing, testing, learning, innovating and, and kind of building. Yeah, totally. I think you're always going to come up against challenges like that. And I think it's how you respond and how you react. And I think for us, it was, you know, we took it on, we, we, we changed, we pivoted and we, we just changed it a little bit and moved on. Like, luckily, we hadn't printed any of the branding, we hadn't done anything too much. So it wasn't too bad. Um, and then we just cracked on. And it was it was tough because at that point, we weren't in a position to PR Fanny's kebabs and push it hard mm. in that area because it just wasn't going to, it would just bounce back. So we had to keep quiet. So we had to just prove ourselves with our product. Um, and that was the key to it. And I think we were just like, cool, we, you know, we back ourselves for what we've created and what we've got going. So let's just do that and let's get people in. Let's get them eating it. And we'll go, we'll go, we'll go by verification of product. In regards to the branding, because you do have this kind of gorgeous, vivid yellow um, and like a really cool script. Uh, what was that process? Did you have any input? Um, you mentioned before that you had um, like a branding agency or, or, or tell me about that. So we worked with uh, a friend, a friend of Claude's actually just to create the, the font and we, we kept it really simple. We just wanted to keep it really, you know, something which is clear, clear cut. Um, the font we thought came out great, we loved it. And then the idea was let's make it stand out. Let's stick some tiles and, and a yellow neon. And then we found these blue tiles, which we love, and they, they make the, they, 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 what was that one? Contrast. Say? They com complement, they compl complement, they complement yeah. the yellow, the yellow, the yellow and the blue work really well. Yeah. It's basically what I want to say. <laughs> and if you mix them together, it makes green. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Winner, <laughs> winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> but no, so that was, you know, we came up with that and we just, it stood out and then we did it, you know, we, we did the frontage in Stoke Newington. Um, and it just looked like we, we loved it and we were like okay cool that's it and then we moving forwards that's just what we're taking with us um, and it stands out really well yeah and how and how important do you think branding is oh it's it's it's, it's, it's right at the top you know it's got to be it's what people associate with mm. um, the product is obviously key it has to be the best thing it has to be the best experience anyone ever has um, and then you've got the branding just supports it and people have got to be able to spot it understand it and appreciate it. you know it's kind of picking up on it and going oh i've seen that before and it catching their eye so i think the yellow neon does really well on that like when you come into victoria it's straight ahead straight in front of you and you can spot it so we want people to have that opportunity to see it around london and they'll spot it in different areas yeah um and also looking at your social feeds you have some great social content uh, loving the instagram um, and arguably now that there are so many kind of new brands, it, you know, in terms of competitive landscape, maybe not so many direct competitors to Fanny's Kebabs, but it can be difficult to cut through the noise. So was that top of mind when thinking about, you know, as you mentioned, the, the kind of bright, vivid colors and then also looking through Instagram, you know, kind of being a bit more quirky and kind of chopping up, repurposing old images and things like that. Like, what was that idea? Yeah, I think I was... Just scrolling through, you know, Instagram is an amazing place where you can, you know, you can express yourself. And I think actually a lot of what food's doing is just, you know, there's a lot of imagery out there. However, and I think, you know, there's amazing brands which do it really well, but I just, I was getting bored of just looking at pictures of kebabs. So I, we just thought, <laughs> well, what can we do? It's a little bit different. Um, and you want to engage and do something creative. So we kind of wanted to give our feed something different, which is basically bringing in our product, but actually making it a little bit more interesting for people to actually um, look at and to draw them in. I think there are obviously pros and cons. I think it's quite hard to always convert our Instagram posts into sales. 
However, from a creative point of view um, and an illustrative way, it's, it's engaging and I think people can see it and they can, they can, you can look at it and you'll see different things. Um, and I think that's, it's, it's a fun way of creating it. And we've got an amazing artist, Annie Crockford, who basically does it all for us. Amazing. And I think brand equity is so important and especially you know, with a startup business like yours, but actually it is food. So it's all the senses. It's, you've got to smell good, it's got to taste good, it's got to look good. And then to have it wrapped around this kind of awesome kind of progressive brand is so important. Yeah, 100%. I think obviously it's a 360 approach of getting all the different elements from customer service to product to branding to the lasting effect. So it's really managing to impact somebody. And I think it's one of the most gratifying things I've ever had, like, managed to create is having somebody enjoy your food. Yeah. And somebody actually enjoy the experience of what you've created and then being there, you know, being like, okay, cool. But then on the flip side, you also get people that don't enjoy your food. Mm. And that's also cutting, but you've also just got to take it on and be like, okay, cool. How can I improve it? Yeah, you can't. You, you know, taking criticism is really important. Yeah, and you've got to figure out how to pivot. I mean, failure, you know, fail fast or whatever, fail often. You've got to. It's how you learn. Yeah, and what is that? I mean, yeah, that could just be the most rewarding thing. You put in all this work, the brand, everything, and then right to the, you know, the kebab being made, and then seeing customers enjoying the whole experience and the food. That must be so fulfilling and rewarding. Yeah, it really is. It's, so, it's like when you see a group of people or you, you overhear people talking about it or saying this was great, etc. It's really, really, I mean, it, it puts a smile on my face every time. Um, but then obviously when you get people who don't enjoy it, you've got to bounce back. You've got to find out what they, what, what they want, which is better, and then find a way of doing that for them. But no, you're right. It is, it's, it's really enjoyable seeing that. And I think that's what we kind of want to create, give people that experience and give them the opportunity to, at the same time as staying healthy, but also enjoying food, but then also having you know, having brand affinity to Fanny's. Mm. And how do you manage that? Do you have a, is it kind of top down or do you, do you educate your staff? Do you have a team that works closely with you to instill that into the brand and, 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 and kind of training and things like that? I think, yeah, I think we kind of, with employment, it's really picking the right people and giving them an environment to work in which they enjoy. I think it's really important on, you know, I, I try and read a fair bit and there's, there's certain books which help you deal with how to how to engage with staff and I think it's really important to basically sit down and understand who your staff are because they might be working for you just for certain reasons you know for money um, but other people might have other interests outside of work which if you manage to engage them and give them the opportunity to use that in your workspace then they will engage with the brand so much better mm. and I think it's really important that's how I've kind of worked with various staff members who I've got one who's he did events at university and then loves graphics design so basically just he designs a lot of our menus and does all our leaflets and does the flyers designs the stickers and that allows him to be part of the brand that's and awesome i give him creative you know give him give him the opportunity to just go and do it yeah and he'll you know he'll send things over and we'll bounce ideas off of each other and then i've got like a chef in stoke newington who loves music so i get him to create the playlist for for, for in store so it's giving people that opportunity to really feel part of it yeah um and then that means that they you know a, they're having a good time. B, they're more likely to, 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 to feel really attached to Fanny's. And then that really reflects on how they are in their workplace and also outside of the workplace. Mm. Because when they're talking about where they work or if they enjoy it if not or not, then that's getting communicated to people outside as yeah, well. Yeah, they're essentially the natural brand ambassadors. and Precisely. So you want them. So I think for us, it's always important for people to be having a good time at work. Um, I speak to all of our staff on a regular basis, come in, have chats, make sure everyone's okay and make it really feel like an open, open, open door for them. 
so that if they ever have any issues, if they have any problems, they just bring them to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that really important. Like that's what we do is we solve problems. And if they don't feel like they can come to us, then they'll bottle it up and then something will go wrong. And also they won't be enjoying themselves or they won't be, and then they're not, they're not actually gonna be selling the brand as well as possible. So really important to engage with the staff, make sure they understand what we're about, what Fanny's is doing, what our progression is, and let them really understand from all different angles what we're trying to achieve as a team um, so that they know where they fit in and where they can go and what they can develop. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I would never have thought how much kind of psychology is involved in owning a restaurant. And it makes so much sense now hearing you talk about that. Um, what would be your day-to-day um, or... Well, one question, what's your day-to-day? And then from a weekly perspective, like, do you have a weekly kind of Monday team meeting or, or, or what, what is that? Yeah, so I guess my sort of daily routines involve, you know, getting up early in the morning and then I usually, usually hit the gym um, and then I'll go and I'll, I'll, I'll scoot around London, which has made life really, made London smaller, which is fantastic. Well, a motor scooter <laughs> or a push scooter? <laughs> no, a little Vespa. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... So yeah, get up, get, get into the gym, um, which just helps me sort of mentally decompress and get, and get in the zone. Yeah, in terms of mental health, like it's great to, you know, in terms of well-being, exercise and things like yeah, that. Yeah, 100%. I kind of feel like if I don't go to the gym, then I, you know, there's, I, I, I just don't take properly. Um, and then Claude and I meet up and we'll sit down and we'll, we'll crack on. We'll meet at one of the sites, whether it's Fulham, Victoria or Stoke Newington. Um, and we'll, we'll sit down before everyone kind of gets in because the staff come in from, let's say, 11, 10.30, 11 in the morning. We'll catch up and we'll, we'll go through the points which we're, we're trying to discuss. Uh, and then we'll, we'll usually sit down with some of the team, depending on where we are, what we're, what we're up to, discuss certain things from last week or for the upcoming week. And then we kind of, you know, the day, the day progresses and we'll either move site, we'll go to a different site to spend some time with different staff members or address different issues. Obviously, throughout all these days, if something's going wrong, then just get going and go and deal with that. Um, and then, you know, it's been pretty, pretty much a grind. Then it's kind of get home, eat some food, and then read my book and then go to sleep. Eat, sleep, work, repeat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just keep going. I think, you know, there's try and fit in some social hours where every, everywhere I can. Um, try and play football twice a week. So five side on Wednesdays and 11 side on Saturdays if I can. Um, and then really just, you know, keep, keep as good a mental state as possible. I kind of, I've done yoga twice in my life now in the past two weeks and it's, it's great. I love it. Awesome. I mean, <laughs> need to get into a bit of Zen. So we're talking about fannies and we're talking about food, but we haven't actually talked about the food. Um, so tell us a little about the food itself. So, you know, you are doing things differently, like skewing the kebabs only on a Japanese Rabata grill replacing thickening agents with sauces and agar seaweed derivatives, um, looking at how you can reduce salt in different places. Uh, what was the inspiration for the menu? Yeah, so we kind of, we've kept it pretty simple. You know, there's only really four kebabs available. I think that's also back down to psychology. Like you give people more than six choices and they're always going to start faltering. So we kept it short and sweet. You know, we've got a chicken kebab, lamb kebab, halloumi and aubergine, and a vegan falafel offering. And all four can be had as a wrap, rice box, or a salad box. Um, you know, so there's plenty of gluten-free options, veggie options, um, and vegan options. So we kind of wanted to, you know, there, there are certain buzzwords that you need to hit right now, and we were kind of just trying to nail them all. Um, and, you know, it's also the pre- presentable, the salad box and rice boxes are doing, are doing great. And I think that's the healthy vibes that you've got going right now. Um, 
within the kebabs. It's a really fresh salad with just lettuce, red cabbage. Uh, and then the sauces, yeah, we, so we've, we've, we've worked hard to develop sauces. So we use a chili sauce and a yogurt sauce, as well as then keeping the sides and, and snacks really, really simple. Um, we've just got sweet potato fries, Persian fries, and some harissa hot wings. Very nice. And any plans for a Simo kebab? The Simo kebab? Well, yeah, absolutely. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> what would be the Simo kebab? That's a good question. Um, I think just double of everything. <laughs> everything in there. Yeah, Super XL. <laughs> Um, but you know that it can be fun and quirky like that. You could do like a menu competition. You know, Walker's Chris, they come up with different flavors and things like that. And that might be another way of you know being innovative, being kind of a challenger food brand. Why not? You know, ask the community what is the next kebab maybe for twenty twenty. Absolutely, I think there's 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 definitely we've been looking at doing a few collaborations or picking out a few different seasonal kebabs. I think at the moment it's kind of getting the operations in place because you've got to you start throwing curveballs at the guys <laughs> and you're just like, guys, here's another one you've got to do. Yeah. Got to make sure it's nice and simple. I think at the moment we're just getting our staple product executed perfectly and then we can start introducing kind of a little bit, little bit of different, different, different ideas. Um, but I think end game, you know, get, a, get, get some ideas going. Um, and I think collaborations are the way forward on that behalf as well. There are some yeah. great brands out there who want to do some stuff together. So That's awesome because I don't think you've seen, well, you're seeing lots of, collaborations creative collaborations but that's a really nice idea um a brand partnering with fanny's kebabs on like a bespoke product that kind of re relates to their themes as well That'd be yeah 100 percent. i think that's kind of where it's mutually beneficial for both parties and you kind of do something fun and quirky i think there's a lot of there's a lot of great people working in this industry mm. and i think it's quite fun to work together yeah um and you know, you mentioned that you're supporting your employees and providing them a platform in terms of kind of their creativity and um, other skill sets. But you've also diversified with the opening of Fanny's Bar. Um, and that seems to be such a fantastic space for the arts. You have a comedy night, uh, live jazz, art exhibitions. What was that concept and, and why do you think that's important? Yeah, I think we fell upon, I think this, the, the upstairs is where the restaurant is and then downstairs we've got 1,600 square foot, which is actually a deceptively large space, um, which we kind of, it used to have, it used to be a live music venue with quite kind of heavy metal music and stuff like that, but we wanted to bring a twist to it. Stoke Newington such a cool and up-and-coming space where it's got a lot of art and there are a lot of creatives in the, in the, in the area from photography to musicians, etc., and we wanted to create a space which gives people the opportunity to come and exhibit their their talents and give them a basically a platform to to build on what they're doing. Um, so I think yeah, as you said, we obviously have comedy nights come through. We obviously you've got art exhibitions as well, as well as then live music nights. So it's really giving people the platform to 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 show off what they've got. Um, as well as giving the locals something new and different to come and check out on a regular basis because it's not the same thing every week. Mm. And in terms of the bar, I mean, again, is that managed by you or did you get some guys in? So, yeah, so we, we've we got... I actually worked with a friend of mine who's um, an amazing mixologist who basically is operating the bar at the moment. Um, the, the cocktail menu is... It, it, it entwines the upstairs and the downstairs, so we're trying to bring in some of the elements. So we've got, like, a the PM, which is a pomegranate margarita, which is delicious. It's basically, well, it's, it's, it's a margarita on the rocks with pomegranate juice garnished with fresh pomegranates. Um, and then you've got other ones which are kind of using the spices from upstairs, downstairs. 
So we wanted to have the, the fluidity of the products from and using the ingredients in the kitchen and the cocktails downstairs. Nice. So no uh, chicken margarita. Kind of. <laughs> no SEMO extra large chicken <laughs> margarita. <laughs> no, but it, you know, just have to kind of applaud you for opening that. You know, I came down to the, to the launch event and it was great to see so many friends and family and, you know, locals that were really enjoying the space. And, you know, there's lots going on in London in terms of, you know, spaces being closed down. And so I think it, you know, rather than just opening kind of a larger restaurant downstairs, it's awesome that you saw an opportunity to provide a, a, a platform for creators and, and also obviously have a, a nice space with, with nice cocktails as a plus. But that, that's pretty special because space is arguably hard to come by in, in London and, and for you guys to kind of have, having identified that, it's, it's pretty cool. Absolutely. I think it, you know, it's, it's something different and I think it's what we kind of wanted to create. You know, Fanny's just trying to, trying to give, that, give that opportunity to others um, and we're always there to support them and you know, we're not there to judge and we want to encourage people to come and show off we're about to start doing um we had we had a young girl come to us and said that she would like to do she'd love to use the space for yoga and we we're like yeah let's do it so i think we're gonna be starting to do sort of yoga on on, on saturday mornings with some kebabs afterwards so you know nice. it's a nice little nice thing. kebab breakfast wrap yeah exactly post post yoga come and have a kebab <laughs> works perfectly they'll definitely be having the uh, vegan falafel wrap <laughs> yeah exactly um right so tell me a bit about pave projects this is uh Nice website and pretty cool concept. So give me a, give me a, the lowdown on that. Yeah, so, so Claude and I have obviously been working on Fannies together and um, we, the last year, saw a fast growth in that. And we're kind of, we, we understand that that's a, it's a great opportunity and we, we, we love working together on that. And we are now, we created paved projects together. Um, it's a solution to help other brands basically grow. So we love to see what's going on in the space. Um, and we love to work with others. So we're basically looking to work with other brands in either hospitality, within other industries as well. Um, basically finding things that we find interesting that we think have got legs uh, and getting involved at different levels and providing them with a support structure from, uh, from accounting to legals to, to operations, etc. Um, and seeing where we can fit in. And is that something that you, know, you, you have set up and then I guess Fanny's is your main focus and then as and when you come across a cool concept or someone pitches you an idea then obviously use the paid projects vehicle to work on that yeah precisely i think fanny's is our is our key driver it's what what the majority of our time is on um and you know that's we're driving that hard um but on the side of it it's finding really great people with great concepts to work with um which we find engaging and then and then helping them grow that it's kind of like it's it's a it's an amazing journey to be part of yeah and we kind of see that there's opportunity in the market it's not just for fannies it's for others as well so there may be someone listening to this podcast that might be an uh, aspiring chef or has always had that restaurant idea so for kind of giving them um an example approach say you know i come to you and say i want to open up uh simo's tacos which is actually a uh, <laughs> A restaurant that I've wanted to be opening for a while because I do make a mean fish taco. Um, but yeah, so I call you up. You like the concept? Give me kind of the the step by step process of, of how yeah. you'd launch the concept. Yeah, I think it's an understanding of where where you're at with it. I mean, there's obviously so many hoops to jump through from a concept to building the brand to to getting BP in place to then actually raising money to then finding a site 
to then opening, building that site, to then opening that site, to then maintaining and um, you know keeping the operations going. And I think for us, it's we're there to help all the way throughout that. I mean, we've got the experience of raising the money, opening sites, etc. We've got contacts within all different sides of the industry. And I think for us, it's um, it's it's an enjoyable enjoyable journey to be a lot a part of with others, um, and we're there to as a support structure to help them. So I think really there's you know all the different elements that you see ahead of you, we're there to just support and get involved throughout. But what would be like say I'm you know being deadly yeah. serious, I want to yeah. open up Seamless <laughs> Hacker. So what do we need to do? Do I sit down with you? We talk about the idea. We look at the market. We create a business plan, we kind of Gosh. maybe taste my tacos and then kind of go to a street market. What what would be yeah, that initial gotta, we, first steps? We've got to taste those bloody tacos. Yeah. What's what's in the taco? <laughs> what's in the taco? Come on, talk me through the taco. Sell me sell me Simo's tacos. Uh, fresh cod. <laughs> um, bit, a bit of cabbage, a uh, bit of avocado. I make a homemade chili salsa, um, which is with a secret sauce. Um, yeah, no, but I'm saying for the, for the, for the listener, <laughs> for someone that's launching a new restaurant, just like, you know, what, would, what advice would you give to someone that might be listening to this and say, you know, I understand it's a complicated process, but what could be those first baby steps? Is it go to a street market, get kind of um, people giving you a thumbs up on the food? You know, if they came to you, what would be that, those kind of initial process? Yeah, totally. I think it, it sorry, I think, I think it depends where you're at and what stage you're in. I mean, if you've got a concept like you've never done it before, then we need to get people trying it and see whether people actually enjoy it. You know, you've probably got a really good, you've probably got a great product, um, but getting a stool somewhere and trying it out is really important because then you're going to validate the idea. Yeah. And through that process, then we'll be able to build a brand and be able to get that out in front of people and then you'll be able to get feedback. Um, and see whether it's actually an opportunity. But I think before that, you've got to sit back and you've got to go, okay, cool. This is your product that you're trying to create. We need to look at where the market sits. We've got to see what price point you want to be aiming for. Understand what kind of, whether you want to be opening a full service restaurant or a quick serve or uh, a market stall. And then we can approach those different elements and plan around that. I think you've got to have an understanding of where you sit within the market and where you think that, you know, where the opportunity lies. And I think that's somewhere we can sit there and go, okay, cool. You know, the quick serve taco market, are there enough places doing it? Maybe not. How can we do it better? You build that understanding, go and see what people are doing first. So you have to go out and eat loads of tacos. I mean, that's a terrible thing, but you've got to go and do it. Um, go see who's executing it well, pick the best out of the different areas and then put that all together. And then I think the idea is you obviously product is key then you've got to realize where your brand sits where it aligns and then price it and then you need to see where the next steps are i think realistically it depends whether you want to jump in head first and you want to just go and try and raise some money you might be able to fund it depending on what your contacts are or whether you'd like to you know where you sit within the industry um but then again you could just go into a market i think it's a really really powerful thing you know you go and grind and you go and see and you get feedback and you get immediate validation of whether it's a good idea or not and they can go from there. Cool. Well, for everyone listening, watch out for Seamus Tacos. Um, <laughs> coming soon. Coming soon. What's got you excited? Uh, what's the ambitions for the future? I think for me, it's kind of I. I love looking. I love looking at the future and seeing what's coming. Um, I think for me, it's getting a f understanding different markets and learning lots of different things. I think recently, I've been kind of en engrossing myself within the CBD market. Um, understanding a little bit more about it uh, with contacts in America and Canada I'm kind of looking at potential distribution over in the UK um, and working towards some cool products with that as well I love 
from I, I read biology at university and getting back you know into the science science papers and stuff like that is really good fun and it's you know it, it's it stimulates different part of my brain because right now in fannies it's very much heavy operationally and it's dealing with staff members and all these different aspects however getting into this side of the market at, at, at the infancy that I'm at now is learning about the learning about it and understanding the the it is a chemical compound as opposed to actually as a product and understanding that and then building that and understanding how that product is growing so fast and impacting so many different things um, so I think for me it's kind of finding new niches that I find interesting I kind of you know go head first into things I was you know a couple of years ago um, I started reading into crypto and uh, and then got quite involved in that and I still still follow a lot of cryptocurrencies I'm still involved in various different things um, and I try and follow you know what's happening and seeing what's changing and what's at the forefront um, so I like to sort of you know just just read a lot and understand what what's happening in different markets and where opportunity lies so I think for me it's kind of always understanding where the next steps are and it doesn't have to be restaurants it can be different aspects as well um, within I also have obviously worked in for a couple of tech startups so that's always been an interest of mine tried raising money for my own app at one point um, which was an interesting journey as well it's good fun I still think it could work at some point um, but no it's uh, it's finding new niches understanding them and sort of working with others to on, on different projects and in terms of Fanny's kebabs what's the growth strategy for that so we've got a couple more openings this year um, which will be pretty exciting uh, I think it's you know there's there's there's, there's still so it's still such a young product still such a young brand um, we'd love to get some more brand work into it as I said like it's getting people to understand that we are a lifestyle brand within certain elements so we're looking to do some collaborations with a clothing brand down in Cornwall um, which will be fun and uh, and then growing sites wise should be Fingers crossed, we'll open about three this year, potentially more. Um, and then it'll be further growth next year as well, with a couple of festivals this summer as well. What unseen opportunities did you see that may result in making your startup a huge success? I think most people see, you know, most people see a lot of the opportunities that are out there, but they might not act on them. Um, I think that's, you know, you hear at all dinner parties or whatnot somebody's got a great idea and you're like okay cool go and do it but people just don't execute um so it's not always that i think most of the ideas out there we've somebody's thought of it but it's just execution how you manage it um so i think actually at the point we we saw a gap in the market people were doing certain things which were similar however they weren't doing it in a quick serve quick serve fashion um and then we thought okay cool give the people what they want you know they they People love kebabs. Let's make it so that they can eat it and not feel guilty during the day. At lunchtime, coming at breakfast soon, and then dinner. Awesome. And we're going to wrap up now. Um, for people that want to follow you on socials uh, or check a bit more about Fanny's or, or Pay Projects, what, what's the websites? What, what are the Instagram channels? Yeah, fannyskebabs.com, at fannyskebabs for, for the Instagram, um, and payprojects.com as well. So yeah, check us out, follow us, and if you have any questions or anything, just fire it over. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been great, uh, and I can't wait to come down to Fanny's again and try out that Simo kebab. <laughs> um, but seriously, thank you so much, and wish you all the best, and uh, speak soon. No, cheers, Simo. Thanks. Thanks for listening. 
I hope this podcast can intrigue, inspire, and provide some key tips and tricks for a lot of people. I would really appreciate your help to grow the community. If you know anyone that you think would enjoy this podcast, then please send it their way. And if you can subscribe and leave a review, it would mean so much and it really supports the show. Thank you and see you next week. Thank you.